Welcome back to The Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Meets World, and today we'll be chatting with Tanya Polakovic. Helping cities and companies to stand out to global remote professionals, Tanya is the founder of Saltwater Nomads and co-founder of the Digital Nomad Association Split. In this episode, we talk about the importance of community, behind the scenes of a business, and how remote lifers can have an impact on tourism. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. So Tanya, welcome to The Remote Life Podcast. How are you? I'm great. I have COVID. I'm great otherwise. <laughs> and even as I asked that, I was like, oh, that was a silly question. <laughs> but thank you so much for making the time. And yeah, I really appreciate you <laughs> pushing through at the moment. So just to dive straight in, connect the dots for us. Tell us a bit about yourself and your work and how Saltwater Nomads came to be about. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Han. Uh, it's great to be here. And I don't normally sound like this. I feel like I sound very nasal. So I was working as a consultant and really wanted to base in Croatia for a little while. So my heritage is, and I am a dual citizen of Australia and Croatia. So it's something I'd explored for a long time and pitched the idea to uh, who I was working with at the time as a consultant as a trial. Like, oh, let me just try this out. Also because a lot of the people, it was an international development role, were never in the office. Everyone was out in the field. And so I was like, well, no one else is here. Um, <laughs> you know, and none of our projects were in that city or even country. So I took that chance and knew early on this is what I wanted. So when I did return for my second instalment, which was longer, I started looking for a workspace because I knew I didn't want to just stay in my apartment because I've intended on staying a lot longer. And the co-work trend at the time in Canberra, where I'm from, was really taking off. Like there were, you know, expansions, you know, multi-level government departments were starting to offer hot desking to add that flexibility. So the wave was already happening elsewhere, and I didn't really see it as much in Croatia. There were certainly co-work spaces, particularly in Zagreb and even Split. But the local population weren't so much adopting remote work. It was people from outside or digital nomads, as mm. we refer to them. So that's how it all started. I wasn't originally saltwater nomads. Uh, prior to this chat, we talked about the term digital nomad. I'm not a huge fan, but it's the word, the term that's <laughs> everywhere. So just rolling with it. And I was previously saltwater split, but when I started working with other cities, it's like, well, oh, probably not a good idea to call myself split. So I changed it to saltwater nomad. Just out of curiosity, what term would you prefer? Because, yeah, I, I completely agree. I feel like nomads is kind of its own little separate niche now, whereas, like, remote life, remote workers, like, it's a little bit of a different one. So what what's your what thoughts and feelings? Like, do you have a preference around the term then? I do. I mean, I guess my hope in the next, you know, five to ten years is that remote is just completely dropped and it's just mm. anything with a worker, staff, team member. But for now, I like remote professional. Ooh, okay. You know, I like that. That's a new term. I like that. In my mind, nomad relates, it kind of, it makes me think of somebody who's constantly traveling. And as we know, like, not everybody's doing that. That's right. Yeah. No, cool. I like the remote professional. I like that. Okay. Saltwater nomads, like, who's it for? How did it come about? Let's tell us a bit more. Yeah, sure. So it started off as a co-work space, which I don't know if anyone listening or if you know yourself directly, they don't make money, particularly in a seasonal town uh, and, you know, split like many places. It's really high rents. So Mm. it's as running on the smell of an oily rag to try and make it viable. Um, And so I do a lot of other projects as a result. So it's kind of like this brick and mortar space, which is good, but it's certainly not my core business. 
I wish it was, but it's not. Uh, and so I do consulting work uh, and, and events. Awesome. Okay, so in your eyes, because of course like you guys do Friday night dinner meetups as well in Split, right? And yeah, yeah so what kind of made you think about starting that? And like why in your eyes is community so important for people who are remote? So that's an easy one to answer. So <laughs> obviously when people come to co-working, they can obviously they can work from their own apartment. So they're coming there for a couple of reasons. One of them is productivity. Sometimes you just need that mental break from your apartment and being forced to go somewhere changes that for you or you have better internet. Um, but the other one is meeting people. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of people who also due to COVID didn't want to come into co-work spaces because you're sharing a space. So with the partner that I work with in the winter season, uh, her hostel, which is right in the centre, uh, we pack away the beds and put in desks because otherwise it's an empty space for about six months of the year. And so that's been a lovely partnership. And her and her other business partner have a couple of restaurants and bars uh, that's homegrown. And so we started to create a cheaper menu and just a consistent thing to say, hey, if you're new in town or if you want to meet people and you live here, you know, rain, hail or shine, we hold this event. And sometimes, you know, there's about six people, sometimes there's 36. So, yeah, it really varies on who's in town and it's a lot of fun. We do icebreakers and yeah it's great to see people hanging out after having met at that event for sure I met a few people um, not that long ago when I first arrived and there's just such a really calm chilled vibe about everybody here like from locals expats remote lifers everyone's so relaxed and just wants to create community make friends and like hang out and talk about like it, it was just the funniest thing like walking in people being like so taxes like how do you make it work <laughs> It's like, yeah, it sounds so dull, but it's like, yeah, these are the conversations I want to have with people who get it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So much uh, and that's the thing, you have so many things in common, whether it's, you know, the next destination to travel to or tips like, oh, I'm planning on going where you've just been. And as you said, in finding work, so freelancers sharing those tips, it's just invaluable. Mm, for sure. And speaking of split, whereas one place like coffee shop, sites, viewpoint, beach, that you think you'd recommend that people have to go when they get here? See, I'm not one of those tourist, like, checkbox people. No. I don't even go to Muddy on the Hill that often. My partner does. Um, I don't. It's a beautiful uh, place where you can see water. the city. Sorry, just so people know, like, that viewpoint is where you can see the sunset and of the city. Like, sorry, just for people who haven't been oh, split. Sorry, true. you were saying the water. Sorry. Yeah, for me, it's just getting close to the water, whether mm. it's down on a walk on Butchwitza Beach or even on the river, taking coffee in there with the palm trees and the water that's split for me 100% I'm literally a three minute walk from Bacchvise Beach and oh my gosh I could not have picked a better spot for myself (laughs) just knowing that you can pick up like like you said make yourself a coffee in three minutes from the beach and maybe not going in the sea because it is February but (laughs) it's so cold (laughs) but it's just yeah it's so mesmerizing just being able to sit there and just with your coffee or I took I made myself dinner the other day and went like took it down to the beach just the best thing ever so great yeah I've done that too taking a burger down with a friend and just sitting with your legs dangling over it's yeah it's great Mm, just amazing I am sad to be leaving I'm not gonna lie just for the ease of having the beach that close we're gonna take a bit of a serious turn now so how do you think digital nomads and remote lifers can contribute to the tourism industry moving forward whether that's here in split croatia or just in your opinion overall 
I actually did a presentation yesterday on the benefits of digital nomads bring, so I have mm. these answers already and I've seen them before. Well, obviously the first one is economic. So particularly in a place that only has a peak period, you can mm. now stretch out and, you know, it's not just about someone making more money through the year, but keeping people employed, self-retention uh, and raising that morale and, you know, bringing certainty to people's lives, you know, mm. when they know that they'll have a job year-round, not just for the season. I think people don't really realise how great a benefit that is. Uh, so, yeah, so economic for one. I think it also assists with promoting this idea of repopulation, particularly for smaller areas. So, uh, and that's just not that's not just limited to Croatia. So, you know, as you said, you can work from anywhere. So why not go to a smaller place or perhaps even a an ancestral village or somewhere that has a that you have a link to that you would have otherwise just maybe have passed through for a day, like actually getting to stay a bit longer. Also, the less impact on the environment, you know, you're not as crowding and trying to get these, you know, fast boats to the Blue Cave or, or whatever it is that happens in some, you know, people can take their time and go to an island and get there on a more sustainable method of just the regular ferry rather than the speedboat. So, mm. you know, there's many, many ways that it's a better effect on our, on our surrounds. And I think the knowledge exchange is probably my favourite one. Uh, I mean, I know you asked about tourism in particular, mm. but um, you can connect with a local school or entrepreneur community, IT sector. So that knowledge exchange, I think, is really valuable. But I would say that that applies to tourism too because mm. you're showing that, hey, these are new products and services that you can offer outside of your regular peak so uh, and that are more sustainable and, you know, could last for a lot longer. So, yeah, many-fold benefits for, for this, I would say. No, I think that's brilliant. I completely agree. I So I, for the science, right before, of course, always for the science, right before the pandemic, I was in Bali and I was like, uh my communication brain is saying, I've got to book onto an Instagram tour for the science. And that to me was like, wow, something has got to change. Because everywhere it's place that you went to, it was like, you're going to queue for six hours if you want the Instagram like spot. It was really surreal seeing like people take the actual image of what we see on Instagram and then seeing the queue that was snaking around behind it. Yeah. I was... Wow giggling about it because I was like wow like, yeah. even asking my tour guide I was like so tell me about this place and he was like uh <laughs> he had no idea what to say because he was like you want to know more and I think yeah I completely agree that it's about we've it's, at some point we've got to kind of move away from and this is why in my opinion I think remote life is in digital nomads and I, I think you've kind of said it so well we're moving into this space of being more intentional and being more mindful about where we are staying where we're going for how long and just being a bit aware of like what it is we're going to travel for, what we're going to spend extra time for. So no, I completely agree. Can we find your presentation anywhere or? Yes, I think so. I think it's on YouTube now. I do have to say it was, I was quite brutal because it was a push for the city of Split to assist with private-led initiatives and so I hit some strong steps out there and didn't hold back. I don't think I was the most popular presenter but I think that's the only way you can get attention and make change so uh it should be on YouTube I guess I can send it to you and you can add to show notes absolutely I'll have a little look but I might just follow up on that one because I think 
I don't know if you saw in the news also recently that tourism boards are now trying to put more money into remote life and digital nomad initiatives as well. In Croatia or globally? I'm not sure about Croatia specifically, but I think Europe, there's some spaces in Europe that they are now. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how that unfolds and whether they take some of your points on. That'd be interesting. (laughs) They're going back to kind of the more like, like questions again. In your opinion, someone's come to Split or Zagreb or another part of Croatia. What to you is like the epitome of a Croatian vibe? Like someone wants to really get into it. Yeah, I'll give a coastal answer and then an answer for the capital because I feel it's a different vibe. I think a lot of it goes around food because some of it might be things that people haven't explored or, you know, if you're on the sea, take advantage of seafood because, uh, you know, as you said, the beach is right there. So the fish market is out there daily. So, you know, you're getting fresh produce. So, yeah, any fresh produce market, I think that's a good way. And also you can connect with locals in that way, whether the seller or it's a, a dinner that you go to, so to, to learn a bit about that. And then with the capital, I feel like it's a, it's a different vibe. So, you know, you have Zagreb is active year-round. So any time of year you can go out and you're going to run into people, which, which I think is lovely. So finding some of those little pockets, little neighbourhoods, you know, sort of either grungy or higher end, like you've got your mix of it. And uh, I, I think that's what's quite dynamic, you know, to be in any European capital. Like, I just love that about the city. So uh, that one for me is what I would do in Zagreb. Uh, also, like walking around Zagreb, really mm. popular and things that people don't really consider. So, you know, taking some walking shoes and exploring the city because it's so walkable. I mean, I know I'm not from a very walkable city so it's that's what I like about being in like little in the centre in in a European city is to go explore it by foot. Zagreb definitely has a lot of stories that you wouldn't necessarily see on the internet as well I I completely agree about that. I was gonna say it was a very European thing but I imagine it's just a very human thing like the best way to get to know a culture is through food. (laughs) Yeah exactly (laughs) yeah I don't think anyone will argue with being told to eat their way through a place. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, of course, you're based in Canberra in Australia right now. Are you seeing any kind of difference or like any push towards sort of more digital nomad remote life initiatives there as well? Because I feel like Canberra is not somewhere where we talk about as much. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely not a tourist town. Uh, so... I guess to answer that, obviously there's a lot of Aussies who are digital nomads already around the world. Everyone runs into the Aussies everywhere they go. So I would say pre-pandemic, everyone who was already nomading was already out because I'm sure you're aware everyone got stuck for a couple of years. I couldn't get back in Mm. uh, this whole time. So I think that it will be something that picks up, but my sense and conversations that I have, people these next 12 months, they're still hesitant to leave because of the trickiness of getting back I mean and this is a place that hasn't gone anywhere for two years Mm. it's not like it was the first lockdown and then people kept traveling like yeah it's a very different feel from Mm. Europe here Mm. so I wouldn't really expect to see a surge in a while and also people starting to go back to the office yeah I don't know enough to comment really on overall will people adopt going abroad um because I imagine taxes and things is an issue and people aren't really aware of the whole movement and travel uh, anyway mm. at the moment. So I don't think digital nomads is a thing yet. But once it catches on, I think it's going to be quite popular. Sure. You touched on a very interesting point there about 
kind of thing, you know, initiatives and things like that. So for anybody who is maybe listening who is not a digital nomad or is kind of thinking about it, what is one way that you think, you know, the standard, the average traveller could do to have a positive impact on travel? You mean for their own personal yeah. experience or what anyone should do? So say someone wants to even do a week somewhere, like what could they do? In my opinion, for example, I am always trying to tell people about how to find, uh, use clothing banks or like have your keep cups. Like it's all kind of small stuff, but it's still enough. In my mind, it's the small things that contribute to making a bit bit of an impact like, on where you are going. But I don't know if you have any different yeah. thoughts. So the first thing that springs to mind is supporting year-round businesses. Mm-hmm. That's something that I never really considered because I'm from a city where a business is open year-round. Mm-hmm. So... And, you know, having seen it firsthand, like, you know, it's very hard to stay open in those off months. So mm. by going to those kind of businesses, that support is helps them thrive and I think they, their staff are better because they're valued. So that would be my number one way to give an impact, an impact, knowingly make an impact. And then I guess the mode of travel. So if you are normally in a rush and just want to fly everywhere, you know, there's alternatives now mm. that you can take. Like, the train, you know, if Europe's on people's radar, and you know, the train, I, I love the train. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a nice way that you can add to your journey while, you know, bringing benefit. I was actually researching something for the program I was doing. I was calculating the carbon. And I was just floored at, like, mm-hmm. how far Munich to a city by train was versus flying mm-hmm. the same route. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's only several hours difference really when you, factor in traveling to the airports and back so mm. yeah so mode of travel and time you can now take slow mechanism I guess yeah and I was talking about I have an accountability partner and she's um from the states originally and she was just completely stunned at how like nonchalantly I was talking about like just moving from like two different countries in Europe by train and I was like oh well I might I might take a bus I might take a train and of course it's so much cheaper as well because coming from the UK where like Train travel is so ridiculously expensive as well. It almost costs, like, it's the same amount as your flight going out of the UK as just to get to the airport versus, you know, my um, train from Slovenia, from Ljubljana and Slovenia to Zagreb cost about £20, maybe. <laughs> it means... Yeah, and probably so beautiful, yeah. Absolutely. And even, like, you know, places like the Renfe in Spain, like, from Madrid to Valencia was, like, the most luxurious experience. And, of course, you're seeing all these beautiful little Spanish villages and things like that. You just... Yeah, I think... Yeah, I completely agree. Public transport is just yeah. so underrated, especially in Europe. And of, yeah, and oftentimes the train station is quite central compared to an airport, so you're actually benefiting in that way as well. Makes for better stories as well, right? as well taking public yeah. transport and you can keep working on them you know so like if you're on the plane you know, the wi-fi the power etc absolutely completely agree so what is one thing you wish you had known before you started your business <laughs> there's definitely more than one thing i didn't know anything and i still <laughs> don't have a very good idea i didn't have a business plan i didn't do a budget i uh, yeah, I um, I would do a lot of things differently. Have at least a plan, um, get a budget in place, and also I think it's cliche, but you know, what is the low hanging fruit? Uh, you know, I often put a lot of energy into things that 
definitely did it make money and won't make money and, you know, while that felt good, uh, it's not viable. And so, you know, you're kind of burning yourself out on one thing because then you have to go and do the other thing that you're doing. So I've got a bit better at that. And also knowing that, and this is where I'm currently at, you know, the things that I don't like to do, either completely stop them or find someone else that wants to do that part because mm. it just it doesn't serve anyone. I was like, finance is one of those things. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm working with a, a lovely local lady who wants to learn skills in an accountant management, financial management software. So, you know, it's taking a bit longer, but it's like this is exactly what I want to phase out of my work quick and this is what this person wants to build as a skill. So, Great. yeah. Well, like, I I would say you're doing pretty well because did you win some awards and things as well? So what you know my twenty more words? Yeah, so well the event side is completely new. I okay. did not plan to so I guess a business plan didn't even matter. Um I started doing events to raise the profile for um indigenous activities in Croatia because an event is great. It's like taking that small meetup on the Friday and amplifying it, especially at this time, because a lot of people just wanted to see other people mm. and it'd been so long. And so yeah, I, I've done events in Australia more as a community volunteer and also for work, but never really considered myself to be that, but now I am, so I'm embracing yeah. it. And, yeah, we won for international awards, uh, one for sustainability too, mm. which I'm very proud of because that's, yeah. so designing a program to have, you know, more, less impact on the environment. Space. Amazing. No, you're doing amazing work. And what is kind of one thing or two things, <laughs> I'm saying one, please don't feel limited to, one thing that people don't necessarily see when you're running a business? One people think, one thing people maybe think about that like, looks simple at the front, like the amount of times I've been told like, oh, I could never do events like you guys because it's, there's a lot more back end to it, for example, than it looks, of course. So a lot of people, it's like, oh, you put a Facebook mm-hmm. event up and that's it. Like, no, <laughs> there's yeah. so much more to it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> something that people don't really see when you're in a business. Yeah, obviously a lot of the behind the scenes. So I think with that, it's the thing for Split in particular is the negotiating needed for some things. So, you know, I have a certain expectation of how I want something and it's not always, (laughs) doesn't always happen that way. So, yeah, and and a lot of energy goes into that. And so, you know, and I'm talking months of time for some things. And so that never gets, yeah, I mean, I don't publicise it either because it's not worth publicising, you know, no, of course. whether it's not, you know, Instagrammable or whatever. It's not even that. It's like I don't really want to share this because this is currently not a pleasant thing and I have to work through something for what I want. So, yeah, I, I haven't really even thought about that's that's a great question <laughs> yeah I suppose the only other way I could probably phrase it also is because I think one thing that I come across consistently and have done quite a bit is people will come up to me and go I'm gonna start a blog great good for you like, I've got three blog ideas I'm gonna put them up and they're like, okay great what are you gonna do after those three blog posts because I think in their mind it, it of course like a big not a joke but a kind of comment within the content creator industry for example and I think business owners as well if it looks simple then we're doing a good job if it looks like what we do is simple to you and very straightforward, we're doing our job. And I think that's kind of where I was going with that. So I wonder if there's anything, yeah. and you've also mentioned a couple of things already, but I think that's kind of where I was going with it. Yeah. 
I, I guess, yeah, the other thing I would add to that, and I, I think it is to your point, like certain things take a long time mm. because you're building up a bank of either knowledge or relationships or whatever it is. And so when you finally release something, yeah, it, it looks like it was, oh, yeah, I just decided mm. to do that, whereas it's it's months and sometimes years of expertise have gone into that. And so, yes, here. <laughs> I guess just to maybe like kind of counteract that so when you are having those moments of like oh my gosh this is taking forever to do or like you're kind of just in one of those days where like yeah it's just kind of struggling I guess what do you do or do you have like a mission at all that kind of keeps you going in those kind of long months of negotiation okay so what do I do in those scenarios well I'm currently in one so my (laughs) current strategy is Total detachment. I don't care what happens. Okay. I would like it to go a certain way, but I have accepted if it doesn't. And, and, you know, sometimes that clears up something for, you know, something new to come in. And so I'm, I really try and embrace that um, after having a very human, you know, internal meltdown. Absolutely. (laughs) Gracious. Yeah. Absolutely. It sounds like a bit of working on your business, working in your business. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. Last couple of questions. I'm, I'm very aware I'm now taking up a lot of your time. So do you have any advice for people who are looking to scale their business and create a team? Obviously you mentioned that you've got your finance person, local person. What would you suggest? I've had the benefit of working with some people who are not in my business like they have their own consultancy say or they're solo operators and so that's been great because it kind of just is a dip in dip out project specific thing which has worked great Mm. so I have learned now that you just need to dedicate time to train someone if, if they are new to it. Obviously, if they have the skill set, you can slot right in. So, yeah, I guess it just depends depends where your business is or what you can afford really on what level of person. I think that's the thing I underestimated, like just how entry level someone might be with what you need. But, um, yeah, so far so good. <laughs> exactly. So what, do you kind of remember the point where you kind of said like, right, I've got to, now's the time to scale, like I've got to make this I've got to grow this a bit. Like, do you remember that kind of moment where you had to have that honest chat with yourself? Yeah, I certainly think it was overdue too. I took on things that filled up my calendar that just didn't even have space to bring someone on. I mean, I couldn't change it at the time. It was just mm. running with the momentum of things. Yeah, and I I don't think I could have anticipated it either because I was mm. like, man, well, here are these things, go for it. So actually this kind of happened as a bit of a, I was pushed into it, actually. Someone needed to keep someone on on a part-time basis and asked if I had any work that I might need. And I thought, I'm sure I do. You know, it's something that had been a goal of mine to, you know, whether it was a VA or or something, to to go down that path. And so this actually forced me into it. Uh, It was overdue. Uh, So I was you know, quite booked up with a couple of projects and just didn't have that time to carve out to sit with someone and transfer the knowledge and the tasks that, that I needed at the time. So it was hard because I couldn't really anticipate it, but then once those things cleared away, then I could bring someone in. So, yeah, I guess it needs more forward planning, but also the right fit as well, you know, knowing that someone can be 
flexible and build up their time if they needed because it certainly it certainly isn't a full-time person I could have so mm. yeah it was just trying to justify adding that in but otherwise it's um yeah working with people on a project basis so you know connecting when you need a certain skill set has been great and working well so far amazing final question from me I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what Saltwater Nomads is doing with the current situation in Ukraine. Sure. So I probably, like a lot of people, have been glued to my screens and um, just really in shock and certainly bringing back a lot of memories of watching the Croatian conflict Mm. uh, from so long ago. And so one of the things uh, we've actually had, not only through Saltwater, but I'm also co-founder of the Digital Nomad Association Croatia. So Croatia can currently be entered without a visa if you are Ukrainian. And, you know, a lot of Ukrainians have tech skills and things. So they, as they're currently known in the European Union, would be eligible to apply for the Digital Nomad visa. Um, however, I do understand that there's going to be other avenues for Ukrainians across mm-hmm. Europe. I'm not sure exactly what they are. Um, We've offered up co-working if anyone needs a free place to come just to either get away from where they are. So hopefully that will stay for as long as we can offer it and Mm. if people need it, you know, because I think even if you are here and working, like, hey, that's a cost that you could send home instead or for other needs. Uh, The other thing with some of the events that they have coming up, I've also been thinking about how to incorporate this um, I use a few Ukrainian companies or companies that have Ukrainian stuff, so I will definitely be keeping them engaged and mm-hmm. upping them if it, if it is a fit. So, yeah, that's certainly one way. And, yeah, I guess in the future looking out for any other, um, you know, you can see just on LinkedIn, like people who have Ukrainian heritage and what they're doing and so supporting um, if it's an initiative or something like that coming out from professional networks. Amazing, amazing. And if there's a few people who um, are based in Croatia and Split who might, could potentially be listening in, so I'll make sure to add them in the descriptions and whatnot below so they can have a little look. That's great. But, yeah, uh, and we put up, we have a um, Facebook group for Split. Yes. Which has about 1,700 members. So I saw some conversations happening. So I thought, hey, if someone wants to post whatever they're doing to keep it unified. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Tanya, thank you so much for joining me today. And for putting a time your side your time side, sorry. Thanks, Anne. I'm, I hope I made sense with my hands. Absolutely. <laughs> it is my third meeting and almost oh almost eleven PM. Well, I've done all right. Oh all right. my it's goodness. Awake. Yeah, okay. <laughs> time to wrap up. <laughs> thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the remote life and thank you tanya for your awesome insights you can find links to her website and socials below tag tanya at saltwater.nomads and myself han at hamitsworld and let us know your favorite way to get to know a culture you can also find the podcast on instagram at the remote life podcast thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to remote work with you again soon